Live from the capital of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada, it's Silver and Black Today. Your daily dose of all things Las Vegas Raiders football. News, views, guests, and your phone calls are all part of the game plan. There's only one nation, and it listens here. Now your host, Scott Colbranson. It's Friday, Raider Nation. Welcome back to Silver and Black Today, powered by our good friends, Sam and Ash, the injury attorneys, call them anytime. 702-820-1234 is the number because you deserve what's right. Scott Branson back with you here. Welcome back, Raider Nation Radio. Hope you had a great week. It ticks by. It's about to heat up in the NFL. Yes, we're in the offseason. I get it. There's no football. You're itching to talk Raiders football. You're itching to talk NFL football. And we have the cure. We have the scratch to that itch. And that, of course, is Raider Nation Radio. Starting in the morning with Pritch and Clay. And, of course, JT the legend, 12 to 2. And then you got me from 2 to 4. And Vinny Bunsen, you're on Lincoln Kennedy. And happy birthday also to Lincoln Kennedy today. Uh, they come up at 4 o'clock, 4 to 6. Vinny will be with us later in the show, right before his show. We like to catch up with him every day and see what's going on in the world of Raider Nation, the world of NFL. And, of course, there's lots to talk about. You can always call in 702-365-9200 is the number. I love to get our callers on because they're intelligent. They have points of view. I don't always agree with you, but you're always well thought out. Raider Nation is the most educated fan base in professional sports like any fan base we got some kooks out there but other than that it's all good they don't seem to call in uh so you can call in 702-365-9200 couple things breaking in the nfl today of course the the houston texans the implosion down there continues as they have decided to do a quote mutual parting i love i love when when people break up whether it's professionally or it's personally mutual parting of ways. Oh, come on. He wanted out. They're giving him his out. Uh, J.J. Watt, of course, um, who was the 11th overall pick in the 2011 draft, leaves Houston as a three-time defensive player of the year, five-time All-Pro, a member of the NFL's 2010 All-Decade team. Uh, And he really, I mean, what he did at that franchise uh, is amazing. Um, They had no postseason appearances before his arrival, and since that time they've won six division titles over the past uh, uh, six, uh, excuse me, past decade. Uh, But here's my question around the J.J. Watt thing for Raider fans and and I know I actually make fun of fans when every time a player is released should we go get him should we go get him huh George huh George no I understand that but in this case with JJ Watt yes he's aging yes he's not the generational player that he used to be I'm not saying he's the JJ Watt of old I know he's not because of age and injury and all that stuff but I do like him as a fit he's not being mentioned as a as a Raider at this point in time but I, I ask why, because here's, here's, my, here's my reasoning. All I hear from you guys is, forget about the offense. Offense is great. No, we need to build the defense is what I hear from Raider Nation. Absolutely correct. No doubt. Defense was awful, okay? So you now have the new defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley, who I think is going to do fine. He's going to get more out of that young talent that the Raiders do have on that side of the ball that was underperforming under Paul Gunther, who's now... By the way, a member of the Minnesota Vikings coaching staff. But here's what I say. J.J. Watt fills a couple big needs for me. Number one, he can still play. 
again, not the generational player that he once was, but he's a good player and what he brings you in the locker room. And this is not quite the Jason Witten situation. He is not as far gone, in my view, from a talent perspective as Jason Witten was at the tight end position. J.J. Watt can come in and rotate and be a good player. And I'm telling you, all the talk we heard at the end of the season about commitment in the locker room, players being focused on what they need to do, uh, especially when you have that young group of guys. You have a young roster on the defensive side of the ball. And it's going to get younger because more than likely you're going to be drafting defensive players, right? That's what you guys all want out there too. And so if that's the case, then to me, J.J. Watt's good because he's going to come in and he's going to play good for you. I'm not saying he is the long-term answer, but I do think as part of the front seven, he would make them much better and he'd be a formidable, formidable force out there. And he'd keep those dogs in the locker room, those young guys, in line. He's an alpha dog. He is that alpha. He did it in, in Houston. He could do it in Las Vegas. So, so I like that. I think if you can get him on a deal that works and incentivize the hell out of it, why not talk to him? There was talk last season that the Raiders had already talked to Houston about maybe even a move. I didn't really talk about it at the time because I had it from a source um, and it was a good source, but it wasn't, I didn't, I didn't double source it. So I wasn't going to report it at the time, but now I look back on it. Obviously there was some flirtation there. There were some conversations that occurred. So if that's the case, then now that he's a free agent, he can be signed immediately. And for JJ Watt, that's a great thing. Cause he gets, he gets a 30 day head start on the rest of the free agents in the NFL, which is actually something good that the Houston organization actually did for once. <laughs> they gave the guy a really good opportunity to find a nice place to land. But there's going to be there's going to be a lot of teams I think are going to keep compete for him. I mean, you think about the Steelers need help there. The Buccaneers still need more defensive help, even though they won a Super Bowl. The Cowboys, the Packers. I mean, there's there's a bunch of teams. The Baltimore Ravens. There's a lot of teams I think who could use a JJ Watt. And so so if you're a Raider fan and you're telling me that you don't think that that would be a good play, now I understand Raider Nation's hesitance with signing older free agents. It has not worked out well for the Raiders many many times. But I think in this case, I made the case earlier in the week for Richard Sherman, right? But if you're going to go young at safety, okay, fine. Then, then that's what you do. But I just think that bringing him in, he, he is an instant upgrade over most of what you have, even at his diminished, or I say diminished, he still played well last year. Okay, I mean, he's 32 years old, but he's a, he's a top 12, I mean, it's, I, th I think he's one of those guys. I mean, I think he's one of those guys who could come in and do that. And, um, I mean, you look at what he's been able to do in his time in Houston and what he's still able to do. He's got gas left in the tank is what I'm saying. I mean, a couple of years, you know, he could get two, three good years out of him. I really believe that. What do you guys think? 702-365-9200 is the number. Uh, coming up, by the way, at the bottom of the hour, our guest will be Chris Trapasso. Chris Trapasso writes for NFL.com. He also hosts the Prospect Podcast. He's an NFL draft analyst for CBS Sports. He's going to do a 2020, or he did, and a redraft. So what he did is he went back and redrafted for these teams uh, based on what happened this year and the needs and what you saw. And included in that, of course, is the Raiders. And he did not have the Raiders taking Henry Ruggs. So we'll talk about 
his redraft with Chris Trapasso at 2.30. We're going to talk also, too, the Raiders have get, gotten an official grade online for their rate, the, the Raiders rookie class for 2020. What was the grade? We'll tell you what the grade was, and we'll talk through some of that as well, as well as talk to Vinny Bonsignor later in the show. All right, we're going right out on the Raider Nation listener hotline, and we're bringing in Steve. Steve, you're on with Scott Branson here on Silver and Black today on Raider Nation Radio. Yes, J.J. Watt signing him is is a no-brainer. If you watch the Super Bowl, yeah, if you watch the Super Bowl, the Bucs defensive line, Patrick Mahomes could not step up in the pocket. Sue. Mm -hmm. And those de- the de- other defensive tackle collapsed the pocket. That's what the Raiders' defensive line has been missing for years, since Richard Seymour, to be honest with you. Yeah. They need interior pressure. That's why it's hard to judge Cleveland Farrell and Max Crosby without that. If yeah. a good quarterback, that's what they do. Outside pressure, step up in the pocket. It, um, they have to get I'd say not only just J.J. Watt, I would think about doubling up and getting Leonard Williams as well. You wow. have to get a dominant defensive line. If you want to compete, going against yeah. those quarterbacks in the AFC West, no-brainer. Yeah, Steve, I agree with you. And I think, look, I think you do you do a couple things here, right? I think I think a lot of Raider fans look at things one-dimensional, and they say, well, we got to go draft all these. we got to draft young players. We need a defensive lineman. We need a tackle. We need an end. We need a safety. Well, yeah, sure, that's fine. But you're right. You need a mixture of veterans and young guys. I'm not saying don't draft a defensive player. But you give me a J.J. Watt, and then let's say you're able to get, for example, a Christian Barmore out of Alabama at defensive tackle is one of the young right. guys you put in there. Right. Right? To right. me, that's that's how you have to approach this. You have to look at both. And I think that bridging that and having a J.J. Watt, I mean, and, and, and Steve, you tell me. You talk about J.J. Watt in that young locker room. You think anybody's going to pull any shenanigans? I'm going to tell you another signing I would do if I was the Raiders. I would okay. get Patrick Peterson and move him to free safety. I love yeah. Charles Woodson, Rod Woodson, and later in their career. I, if I was the Raiders, I would literally consider about doing that. You look, even in past defense, look, we got killed in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. It was a hole, a, a gaping hole in the middle of the field all year long. No free safety play. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I, I think you're right. I, and then Patrick Peterson has been a guy that I think a lot of Raider fans have been watching and saying, hey, that's that's a guy to go get. And to me, that's what I've said, is I've said, listen, you, first of all, the people who think that you're done on offense and that you don't need to improve, I think, are missing the point. But you're right. If you're going to focus on the defense, I would go out and spend your capital, some in the draft, but I would go get some experienced players. They have young players on defense, right, Steve? They need some of right. that experienced swagger that only a veteran brings. Right, and like yeah. I said, I, I don't blame the young cornerbacks. You, you got to have someone back there that can that can mask some of their mistakes. We didn't mm-hmm. have that in the secondary. No. I can't judge a first year and second year player. Corner is like the hardest one of the hardest positions to play in the NFL. Right. Yeah, and we don't know. Yeah, I mean, Arnett I had spots, right? We couldn't stay on the field. It's the same problem he had in college, actually. And Trayvon Mullen looks good, but like you said, it takes time to develop. And then you had Jonathan Abram back there. You had nobody, with all due respect to those guys, because I like all three of them, and they're all three good guys, but you had no adults in the room. I'll put it that way. Right. And and you need somebody. So Patrick Peterson, and then you put up on the line a J.J. Watt and a Leonard Williams or somebody like that, and, man, I'm telling you what, you want to talk about getting better really fast? I mean, Right, and then first round, I wouldn't, I'm not even against getting a linebacker in the first round. If you yeah. tell me you're going to get J.J. Watt in the middle and, and maybe, like I said, 
and maybe even I would even make a run at suit. If you can get JJ Watt in suit, wow, yeah, I would get the the, the best cover linebacker in the first round. You have to improve yeah. that pass defense. Yeah, absolutely, and that's what that's what I said, Stephen. You said it right when you got on the call here, and I said this uh, on Monday after the Super Bowl, and that is in the NFL to win a championship, you need three things, and you cannot cheat on any three of them. You need a quarterback, you need an offensive line, and you need a defensive line, <laughs> right? And 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 you saw that. You saw that with what the Buccaneers were able to do. Um, and I'm not saying you have to have the greatest player of all time at quarterback at your quarterback. I think you can win with Derek Carr. I think you can do what you need to do. You're absolutely right, but if you watch that Super Bowl, you can you can supplant Tom Brady with a number of quarterbacks. They still win that game. I agree, hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah, as long as the guy's not going to make mistakes and uh, doesn't turn right. the ball over, you're absolutely right. No doubt about right. it. Steve, thanks for the call, man. I appreciate you, brother. Take care. All right, you too. Now. All right, we're going to go right back on the phones, and it is Raider Dave. Raider Dave, you're on with Scott here on Silver and Black today. Hey, Scott, how's it going? Good, man. How are you doing today? I'm just really pleased to hear the chatter on this radio station about uh, what. I hope the decision makers for the Raiders are listening. Oh, they listen. They listen every day. <laughs> now, whether or not they take our advice is a different story. <laughs> but why, why do you like the Watt move? What, what is it for you? Because of the things you guys were just discussing, the weakness on defense. Yeah. Yeah, and like, and I, just, like you mentioned earlier, he doesn't have this prime years ahead of him, but he's still a force in the middle. And uh, depending upon the price you pick him up, I don't see what the hesitation would be. Yeah, and I, if I'm JJ Watt, I, you know, if I'm him, I'm sure I, I want to go somewhere where I think I can win. And if the Raiders start putting together uh, a defensive roster with him and some other guys, and then of course adding in some young players, perhaps via the draft. And then I look at Las Vegas and I say, hey, man, I got two or three years left maybe on my, in my career. I can go to Vegas. It's a, it's a great situation with a great yeah. new stadium, a great organization, a great new facility, and no state income tax. You know, so I can keep more. I can keep now. He was in Texas too, so he didn't have any there. But but still, he can he can continue that and come to Las Vegas and and be part of a young defense where he is going to be. He's going to be the guy in the locker room. He's going to be the quarterback of the defense. We can only hope, man. Yeah, no, I like it too, because, man. I think it, it makes so much sense. I've been a long, a lifelong Raider fan, and number seventy five was the the one mm. who watched the most probably long. Yeah, we miss, that I love kind of, we miss that kind of presence on the defense. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Dave, thanks for the call, man. We'll talk to you next time. Don't be a stranger. In fact, I okay. saw how I was watching. I was flipping through. My wife fell asleep early the other night, so I was kind of on my own. And I watched Broken Arrow. Remember the movie with John Travolta, Christian Slater, and one Mr. Howie Long? He was one of the bad guys. And he made it all the way almost to the end before he died. So it was fun to see Howie in that movie. By the way, Howie Long is one of the nicest people you will ever meet. When I went to the groundbreaking for Allegiant Stadium, the Raiders had a private party afterwards across at the Mandalay Bay, and we went over there, and I was walking around. I had gotten some, and seeing all these Raider greats, Coach Flores, all these people, and I had like a plate of hors d'oeuvres, and there was just nowhere to sit. And there's Howie and his wife, and he's like, hey, man, you looking for a place to sit? Come sit with us. I had never met him before, and I sat down. The nicest guy in the world asked me who I was, what I did, and how I liked Vegas and all that kind of stuff. Just a really good human being and obviously a great Raider. Okay, we're going down under for our next call. Uh, it takes extra long phone lines to get there. It is Rossi down in Australia. Rossi, what's going on today, my man? 
I'm good, man. I'm glad that you brought up Broken Arrow, but his best film is actually Firestorm. You guys should check Firestorm. it out. Uh, where yeah. he's, uh, he's a fire jumper. Um, yes. That's actually a, it's a, a under underestimated film, that one. It's a, leave your brain at the door and don't don't think about any of the uh, actual logistics of what, hey, what he does. Hey, if the, uh, if the movie's a got a ton... If the movie's got a ton of testosterone and it, and, it, and it seems like five minutes went by and it was an hour and a half, I'm all for it. There you go. Um, <laughs> just before we talk Raiders, uh, man, I, I need I need you to explain something to me. What the hell was on the Golden Knights' heads last night? <laughs> Those were awesome. Are you kidding me? Now, I agree with you on the they jerseys. You and, you and I direct message on the ugly jerseys. But I will tell you, so so I am a Notre Dame football fan, so to me that's nothing new. And Notre Dame's hockey team yeah. actually wears helmets like that too. I love—they're Golden Knights. They're gold helmets. You're not—you're yeah, but you're a Ducks fan. So come on. Well, I know. We, I mean, we won, so it was fine. But <laughs> you did. I, I still—I still don't get whatever the hell. Whoever came up with that idea in the sports marketing department uh, need to uh, need to have a one-on-one <laughs> conversation with you. Oh, that's with, funny. With, with human resources. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll go. I, I want to talk about two years ago. Uh, Cliff Farrell, uh, Abram, Mayock uh, made it clear that he wanted foundation guys. And I really like what you just said uh, to, to the previous quarter. Sorry, I can't remember the last name. Uh, where you actually said, it's great bringing in those kids, but there's no adults in the room. Mm-hmm. And I think that somebody like JJ, I actually think Richard Sherman's a better play. I, you know that. I, I love the Justin Simmons way. I think that there's a really strong opportunity within free agency to to bring in what you and Q talk about in regards to those alpha dogs, but it's not just about on the field. It's actually that locker room for them. So bearing in mind Ty Williams just got cut yesterday and various other uh, moves actually have to be made to go and get a JJ Watt, to go and get a Richard Sherman or a, a Daquan Jones or Justin Simmons. Where else, what, what are you taking away from the team to add these pieces? Mm-hmm. That's, that's a good, that, that's a good my question to, to, to you and, and to the Raider Nation. You, you know, yeah, we, we can cut Trent Brown, but then does that mean number 17 actually goes on the offensive line? Um, if, if we're going to go and spend $50 million on defensive free agency, um, does that shift the entire draft? And, and I'm just looking at Raiders as a whole organization mm-hmm. because we all love playing fantasy. We all love playing, hey, you know, let's just go get uh, 15 new players on defense and we'll worry about the cap in two years' time. Well, that's how Reggie McKenzie decided to, to, to run the team or or how New Orleans are actually seeing a, a, a big issue at the moment. So I'm just really, unfortunately, just taking that step back, very analytical and looking at, to, to be positive in one area, we need to take away from another. And, and where is that? Where, 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 where are we going to uh, look at that draft to increase our, our defensive free agency uh, pop? Yeah, no, I think it's 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 true, and I, 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 I that's why I've been saying, Rossi, and I know you've heard me say this, is that don't be surprised if number seventeen is an offensive pick, because if you do go spend out all that money, you just brought it up. If you spend all that money in free agency on the defensive side, 
and that means letting Trent Brown. You, I, I've said they need to address the offensive line th- this year. They have to. They got to go get other people out there because you still don't know. I mean, Trent Brown. Let's just say for the for the sake argument is gone. Most people are wanting that to happen. They were expecting it to happen. If that happens. And you lose Richie Incognito on the other side as well because we don't know where his health is. We don't know what his intentions are and if the Raiders want to bring him back. Suddenly, you know, that that stout offensive line that had trouble staying on the field last year, you suddenly have a lot of holes. you got to fill them, right? And that's why I tell people when they say, oh, it should be all defense. Well, in the draft, I was like, well, no, maybe not. You can address it in free agency. Now, is there offensive linemen out there to go get? Eh, yeah, but I, I, I'd rather develop that because you want to get the most years and the most mileage you can out of some, some, um, some offensive linemen. And so, yes, they took Simpson last year as a guard, and he'll develop. I, I, think, I think they're pretty happy with him. Uh, but you have needs at tackle. And so, so that's where you're right. When you, when, you take, when you release a Trent Brown, you can't just say, oh, well, you just throw a guy in there. No, it's the offensive line. Like you have to have offensive line. You have to have a good offensive line to continue the offensive progress you made. So they got to do that. And then you're right on defense. They, they, they have to take some players, I think, in the draft and defensive side. I don't think it has to be a first rounder unless they go for a linebacker or they go for uh, like a Barmore out of Alabama, who I keep, who I really like as a defensive tackle. But you're right. It's it's a juggling act. You're, you're you're taking from one side to do the other, and what are you willing to give up? And then <clears throat> then you also have to look, Rossi. Are they going to restructure some guys too that have current deals uh, to free up space as well? I I completely and absolutely agree with that because uh, straight away my head goes to Nelson Aguilar. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do we not sign Nelson Aguilar to go and get? And I know I keep on talking about the guy, so my apologies, but. Do we put mm-hmm. Nelson Aguilar's wage into Justin Simmons? And do we then run and try and find that third-round pick like like an Edwards again? Um, or do we take Nelson's money away and go give it to somebody like Alan Robinson, who I think would just thrive in this offense? Oh, my God. There's, that's, that's a wide <laughs> receiver. That if I could ever put my hands up and say, this is the one guy this year that I want us to go and get that can improve that offense. And again, this goes back to that whole Derek Carr conversation. There's nothing wrong with our offense. Our offensive line, yes, patchwork. But I think I think the guys we want incognito back, um, they've certainly mentioned about his locker room presence. Uh, obviously, Trent Brown needs to either restructure or, or get cut. Um, but then... Again, you, you've then still got to develop. And Brandon Parker isn't really, even though he had a good couple of games, and, and I was the first one to praise Tom Cable with the, the miracle that he worked with with Brandon Parker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when once again, once more game film and uh, defensive coaches started to, to learn, again, his nuances, he, he got exposed a number of times. And so I... There aren't many holes on that off, uh, in, in that offense, but the offensive line is critical to the power running game and the play action to give DC the, t- the time to throw down the field. Okay. But we all know the defense is porous at best, and it, that needs a dramatic overhaul. And that needs those free agency uh, type players to come in and impact that dressing room and bring Abram along and bring Cleve Farrell along and 
and allow Kwiatkowski and Lutherton to, to do what they were born in to do as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, to me as well, you know, you talk about Robinson. I love the player. He's amazing. Um, cost will be an issue. And, and I actually, the more and more I read uh, about player personnel in the NFL and I read the history of the NFL and some of the great coaches who, who built great teams and, and organizations who built great teams is I almost think as much as I was in favor of taking rugs last year, I like the Bill Walsh approach. To, Bill Walsh always said, I can always go get receivers. And you know what? Not only, I mean, you look at the receivers he found, but if you look at the Raiders, the Raiders last year, two of the top 20, two, excuse me, two of the top 81 picks, they chose actually three of them, if you count Lynn Bowden Jr., um, on wide receivers. So I think you can go. You can always find good receivers out there, and so I think Nelson Aguilar. As much as I loved what he did for this team, I just don't see them spending the money because I think you're right. I think they're going to spend it at safety. They're going to spend it at defensive tackle or defensive end. Uh, but they do. It's it's you know there's going to be a lot happening. There's going to be a lot of roster cuts due to the the salary cap. So so you don't know who's going to be out there yet. There could be some names that just jump off the page. But, but Rossi, you bring up the greatest point, and I appreciate your call as always, my friend, um, which is it's always about trade-offs. And so what trade-offs are the writers willing to make? All right, we get one more call in before the break. It is Mark in the Bay Area. Mark, you're on with Scott here on Silver and Black today. Hey, Scott. Thanks for taking the call. Um, you know what? You really laid out a really good blueprint. You know, when you're trying to put this puzzle together, uh, your previous caller brought up a good point, you know, um, you know, who, who are we going to get rid of? But it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty simple. If you look at, you know, some of the guys that aren't going to affect the cap and their, you know, their guaranteed money is done, you know, you can easily, if you look at it, uh, and it's pretty obvious, you can get to about 40 to $50 million under with some mm-hmm. of these releases that they'll be doing. I think Trent Brown uh, will definitely, I think, you know, I like what you, you, you were saying. I think they should definitely, if they have a chance to get a J.J. Watt, they got to go defensive tackle. I think J.J. Watt or Leonard Williams in the middle, um, yep. like your previous caller said, you know, that just helps the defensive end. That's going to help a Max Crosby, a Clee Farrell. And let's not forget, they still have a chance to bring back maybe Tack McKinley, who was a first-round pick. Um, so there's, you know, there's some options there. But um, I, I really like your idea of going after a right tackle possibly with that first-round pick because of the fact that, you know, you're going to have money to spend on that defense. And the other thing that you mentioned about we're already really young on the defensive side of the ball. So if you can bring in a, a couple of veterans like a J.J. Watt, you know, maybe a Johnson or a Marcus Williams at safety from the Saints, mm-hmm. that guy's a really good player as well. I think we're going to have a lot of options that way. And um, anyhow, just some of my thoughts. I really appreciate, uh, you know, your show. And uh, you're, you guys are doing a great job. I appreciate that, Mark, and I agree with you. I think I think that's where, uh, you know, I differ with some of Raider Nation out there when I converse with them online. Is, you know, oh, we don't want these older players. It's like, well, what do you want? You, you, the Raiders made a specific bet and a gamble this year, this past year, on defense. They said we're going all young for the most part. Yes, they brought in some guys that didn't work out that were veterans. Okay, I mean, they signed Corey Littleton. He didn't have a good year. I think he'll bounce back. Nick Witkowski's good. He's not great, but he's good. He's solid. Um, 
But the the reason they struggled on defense, besides the coaching issue, which they've corrected, is because they were young. They put all their chips into the young basket. How did that work out? So now you're going to tell me out there that you want to go even younger, that you want to add three guys that are that are rookies, and you think that's going to get you to the playoffs? I don't think so. I just don't think so. I think it's got to be a balance, and I think you spend that money uh, on defense in free agency. You go get the guys that fit, the guys who are going to – bolster that locker room, have the talent to do it. You get a couple young guys too, but then you also uh, fill some holes on that offensive line and other needs you have on offense as well. All right, we're going to get one more call in. Rick in Utah. Rick, you're on with Scott here on Silver and Black today. Hi, Scott. This is Rick. Hey, buddy. Hey, I was just calling to um, say that I agree with everything that the previous callers have said. Um, one that I was thinking about is, if I remember right, didn't we have Denzel Good play uh, right tackle a little, um, a little bit this year? And he's done that in his career. I'm not saying that he's the answer, but that's something that uh, maybe we could look at on keeping him at the right tackle with uh, Gabe Jackson as the guard and work with uh, Simpson or even Lester Cotton at the other guard because I, I agree with Tom Cable and everything that he's done with that offensive line. Um, and then, uh, secondly, I, I, I agree with you with, with this age thing. I remember back in the day when Gannon was 37, 38 years old, Jerry Rice was 43, Tim Brown was in his thirties <laughs> and p- people feared those guys. They didn't want to play against them because of how good they are. And so I agree. I think we need to have a mix of, of everybody. Sometimes they get this mentality, oh, they're 30, they're castaways. Well, you know, I'm. I'm I'm 37, you know. I'm not saying that I can play, but you know, look at look at Tom Brady. He's 43. No exactly. One, you know, so I'm just I I I agree with you with the with the age thing. You got to have a mix of everything, and and you know we. It's amazing when we as Raider Nation say, "Oh, the Raiders should do these things," and then I almost feel like we're better GMs and you know, evaluators in the teams because we want them to do that. And sometimes they do it. Sometimes they don't. I just think that gets frustrating. Yeah, no, it, it does. And I understand that. And Rick, thank you for the call, man. Great call. Uh, and, and that's the thing is you, you have to, with everything, it's about balance. And I bring up J.J. Watt not only because he's in the news because of his release today, but I think the guy's got stuff left in the tank. Now, I know he's had some injury issues, so you got to keep him healthy. But, man, I'll, I'll take the upside there and, and that guy in the locker room uh, and his play and how he plays, I think, would be a great example for that young defense. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Chris Trapasso from NFL.com and the Prospect Podcast will join us. We're going to talk to him about his NFL redraft. Who would he, if they, we could turn back the hands of time and have the Raiders redraft the first round of last year, who would they pick based on what we saw this year? Chris Trapasso will be here. He'll tell us. You're listening to The Silver and Black today here on Raider Nation Radio. From Stabler to Plunkett and Allen to Jacobs, we've got your Raiders covered on Silver and Black today. Here's your host, Scott Colbranson. I'm so happy. Welcome back. Silver and Black today. You found a little mammoth. WVH, Wolfgang Van Halen, bringing us back in. You are with Scott Branson, Silver and Black today, always powered by our good friends Sam and Ash, the injury attorneys. You can visit them 
salmonashlaw.com because you deserve what's right. Speaking of what's right, did did all of the NFL teams get the draft right last year, right? Well, uh, our next guest is Chris Trapasso. He's a writer at cbssports.com, also the host of the very popular Prospect podcast, which you can listen to and download wherever you get your podcasts. I highly recommend it. Uh, he did his 2020 redraft uh, just yesterday, and it changed things up for a lot of the teams. A couple stayed the same, but I wanted to bring him on to talk about the overall redraft and also what he had the Raiders switching up versus what they had done last year, getting, uh, of course, Henry Ruggs and Damon Arnett in the first round. So joining me now is Chris Trapasso. Chris, how are you doing today on this Friday, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, thanks for being on. Uh, okay, so let's, first of all, let's kind of set up. So when you think about redrafting, like this to me, I, I was so fascinated by this because I, I just don't remember it from last season, and maybe maybe you guys are just doing it, and maybe it was something new that you've done this year, but I, I love the concept because uh, it kind of brings some insight. But kind of talk about what your guidelines were in doing this redrafting and kind of the thinking behind it. Yeah, this is actually the third year that I've done it. Um, it it's right. basically just as if the NFL draft from 2020 happened today. Like, everything else is still the same, all the transactions, all the trades, but everyone that was picked in the first round, I obviously only do one first round, uh, or one round, which is round one, um, all those players that were actually picked last April get thrown back into the pool and we're setting it up with last year's draft order, and then we're just going to run through after knowing what we know from rookie seasons in the 2020-2021 season, let those teams redraft. So that's kind of the concept behind it. Um, and it's, it's a fun exercise. It's obviously not incredibly serious, but it is good to kind of take a check at how a lot of these first-year players ultimately performed and how their future looks um, in the NFL to kind of slot these players back into round one. Yeah, certainly. No, I think it's a cool concept. I'm sorry that I missed it the previous two years, but I, I no, loved it. I, when I read it, I was like, oh, I like this. So so we're going to start with some some common picks that I just want to go over, and then we'll get to the Raider stuff specifically, since obviously Raider Nation's listening. But at, the, at, at round number one, pick number one, of course, the Bengals last year chose Joe Burrow. Of course, Joe Burrow coming off the national championship game, coming off the cigar smoking picture, all that stuff that made him <laughs> the kind of uh, the kind of poster boy for the first pick in the NFL draft, and the Bengals selected him. But in your redraft, you have them selecting Justin Herbert. I, I get mm-hmm. why, but but between those two quarterbacks, when you look at their upside, Justin Herbert, obviously rookie of the year and all that stuff, what he did with the Chargers, but why is Justin Herbert, in your mind, a better fit there in in Cincinnati if you're redrafting 2020? Well, I'll say that I did stare at that number one overall pick on my computer for a while because it was locked in that the Bengals were going to pick Joe Burrow for so long for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, that he had such an epic season at LSU, showed so many of the traits that any team would want in their quarterback, but the reason why I ultimately went with Justin Herbert beyond him winning the offensive rookie of the year, being healthy, obviously Joe Burrow ending the season uh, on IR with a torn ACL, pretty serious knee injury uh, early in the season was that I think in today's NFL teams need to see growth or flashes from a quarterback when he's 
a rookie, and, and mm-hmm. there's not a lot of time to wait around. I think if you're Zach Taylor, the Cincinnati Bengals head coach, if you could redraft today, yes, you still love Joe Burrow, and you know we're taking away anything you know experience in the scheme, any of that. I think you have to look at the upside that Justin Herbert showed and the ability to improvise and use his legs behind the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line that is just not very good. So I think, mm-hmm. uh, yes, Joe Burrow would still be a top pick, um, but the injury would kind of scare some teams off a little bit, although we have seen a lot of quarterbacks come back from knee ligament tears and play well. But with the arm strength and the athleticism, those are the key areas that provide more upside when you're looking at Justin Herbert compared to Joe Burrow. Yeah, that's an interesting take, and I can't disagree with you on that one. Uh, again, we're talking to Chris Trapasso from CBSSports.com, and also he hosts the Prospect Podcast, where you can get anywhere you download your podcast. Of course, pick number two, Washington football team Chase Young. You can't argue with that one. That was a great pick, and it worked out pretty good for them. Number three, the mm-hmm. Lions. You had Justin Jefferson. Then you had Tristan Wirfs, the offensive lineman, to the Giants. And then you had Joe Burrow to the Dolphins instead of Tua. Uh, and it would be hard to, to argue that. That one too, because of of knowing that buzz that was around Burrow, and and Burrow would fit in that system pretty well too. Yeah, definitely. And I think if you're thinking about how quickly teams want to see progress from their young quarterbacks, uh, and and you're looking at Joe Burrow compared to Justin Herbert, look at the hit in reputation that Tua Tungavailoa took in eight or nine games of playing. I mean, he mm. entered the 2020 draft as this, is he this mix between Drew Brees and Russell Wilson? Look at everything he did at Alabama. Once he's healthy, he's going to be the guy. He's going to usher in a new era at the position, athleticism, accuracy. Then he plays eight or nine games, and only a couple of quarters he looks like a franchise quarterback. Most of the time he's on the field, his lack of mobility, his lack of arm strength, processing speed are all pretty apparent. So it's I think... That's how quickly a reputation for a quarterback, especially a young quarterback, can change. And that's why I had Joe Burrow going to the Dolphins over Tua, even with the injury, because I think those two quarterbacks right there are all three that went in the first round inside the top six. We've seen one season from them, and I think almost every team would pick Herbert, then Burrow, then Tua. Yeah, and you had Tua going uh, at pick nine to Jacksonville. Of course, uh, they have the quarterback issue, too, so that makes a lot of sense. So now we'll get into some of the Raiders' pick. At 12, of yep. course, they selected Henry Ruggs. But here in this draft, uh, and I can't argue with this one, knowing as we, we know what happened to the Raiders down the stretch, you have them ch- taking Cameron Dantzler. Now, going into the draft last year, the, whole, the conventional wisdom was the Raiders have got to get a number one wide receiver. Of course, all three were there when they had a choose, choice to pick. Why would they go now with a cornerback instead uh, and go with Dantzler there at number 12? Well, I think if we're going to stay on the topic of quarterbacks, I mean, Henry Ruggs played well as a rookie, wasn't a high-volume target, but he did make some splash plays, especially in that win over the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead Stadium. But what I find so interesting is that Derek Carr had a career year without Henry Ruggs having some sensational rookie season with you know a combination of Darren Waller and Nelson Aguilar and throwing the ball to his running backs. He didn't necessarily need to be buoyed by a you know legendary rookie season from a wide receiver. And I think yes, 
the Raiders' secondary and, and defense as a whole was really riddled with injury in 2020, but I still think cornerback is a big need. We'll obviously see what happens with Damon Arnett when he returns from injury in 2021. I think he flashed a little bit and then got hurt. Uh, but Cameron Dantzler is a long cornerback, can play on the outside, didn't play well at the beginning of the season for the Vikings, but then did show those ball skills and the length um, that led to so much production at Mississippi State. So I figured if you're John Gruden and you're Mike Mayock and you're looking at Derek Carr's best season as a pro and you're like, Henry Ruggs wasn't a huge part of that, I think mm-hmm. you have to lean corner if there was a redraft today instead of wide receiver. Yeah, and I, I mean, Dan, listen, uh, Arnett, like you said, he showed some flashes, but there was, there was a lot of red flags coming out of college, out of Ohio State with him, including the fact that he quit mm-hmm. football at one point. And from every yep. indication we know, he's, he's a good young man. But at the same time, uh, a lot of folks in the industry felt like he was drafted a little bit too high. And, and Cam Dantzler, to me, up there at number 12 makes a lot more sense. Uh, then let's skip down to 19. So then you go down to 19, which is where they took Arnett. And here's a guy that I was high on because... Because uh, I, first of all, my folks went to Southern Illinois, and I went there for a year, so I knew a lot about him because nice. I tracked Saluki football a lot. But Jeremy Chin, who had a very, very good season in Carolina, this is a guy, you know, with 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 uh, Jonathan Abram back there. Uh, they need again. They need talent in at the safety position, uh, and he can also play that linebacker spot as well. That hybrid position we're starting to see emerge so much in college and and the pro football ranks. Uh, talk about Jeremy Chin and why he would be a good fit there in in Vegas. Well, first off, going into the 2020 draft, I had Jeremy Chin graded as a first round pick for a lot of mm-hmm. the reasons that you just brought up. That he can play safety, he can play linebacker. He can cover in the slot. Um, even thinking back to almost a full calendar year ago now, at the combine, he had a ridiculous performance at like six foot three and 220 pounds, ran in the low four fours, jumped 40 inches. He's an extremely explosive athlete and is kind of just scratching the surface of the type of versatile um, player that he can be at that second and third level of the defense. And I think, yes, next to Jonathan Abram, he would be a tremendous compliment. And again, with these redrafts too, we're thinking like the draft is happening today. So the same roster problems, free agents mm-hmm. hitting the market apply to all teams. So with Eric Harris set to hit free agency, I think that could be low key, a position that the Raiders will actually prioritize in the 2021 draft. And I think Jeremy Chen is really, I'm not going to call him Derwin James 2.0, but he is kind of the prototype for that new position in the NFL. Is he a safety? Is he a slot corner? Is he a linebacker? You want someone like that on your team. And if they could ultimately redraft today, I think he would go much higher than he did, um, which was late in the second round in 2020. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, instead, the Raiders waited last year until the third round, and they grabbed Tanner Muse, who I'm still skeptical on uh, out of Clemson, but we'll see what he can do coming off a toe injury. Uh, and, Chris, before we let you go, I want to shift gears a little bit because you also did uh, a, a mock draft. Uh, you know, it's mock draft season, so everybody's, everybody's mm-hmm. out uh, with their, their take and look at it. And you have a guy that I really like uh, going to the Raiders at 17, uh, of course, and that's Christian Barmore out of Alabama. When you look at the Raiders, 
Raiders need uh, on defensive line. It is so glaring. They need. Uh, they have Max Crosby, who as a fourth-round draft pick has overperformed in his rookie year and had some trouble last year when he didn't have any help. But they need help at defensive end. They need help on the interior, and they need help at linebacker. Why would Barmore be the guy there uh, instead of maybe one of the linebackers or one of the edge rushers if they're available? Well, because I think he would be the best value selection because he is a pass-rushing defensive tackle. And if you're playing in a division with Patrick Mahomes and with Justin Herbert, and who knows um, what the Denver Broncos ultimately do at the quarterback spot, wouldn't be surprising if they added an established veteran. You want someone that can get after the quarterback in under two seconds. And the guys closest to the football, those defensive tackles, are the guys that can do that. I really liked Maurice Hurst when he was coming out of Michigan in 2018. He's played well. Um, to have someone else that they could rely on to generate push from the inside, I think would help out Max Crosby and Cleveland Furrow and Arden Key and a lot of those players on the edge where they would be eating double teams on the inside or there would be a lot more onus from an offensive coordinator standpoint, game planning, if you had someone like Christian Barmore on the inside. I don't think he's quite the prospect that Quinton Williams was coming out of Alabama, but mm-hmm. you know that the Crimson Tide, they coach, or they're very coached up. Um, they're very strong, a lot of those defensive linemen. And what I like with Barmore, like what I liked with Quinton Williams, they have pass rushing moves. They're not trying to just win with first step or with power. We saw in the college football playoff, Christian Barmore against Notre Dame um, and then against a really good Ohio State offensive line. He was in the backfield, seemed like every other or every third play. So I think that would really have a ripple effect on the rest of the Raiders' defense. One of the teams that really needed to add some more pass rush this season finishes like a bottom 10 uh, team in terms of pressure creation rate. If they had him, Maurice Hurst, some of these younger players that they have on their defensive line, would be able to pressure the quarterback more, would help the linebackers, and help the secondary be a little more aggressive and more opportunistic. Yeah, I agree 100%. Good stuff. Chris Trapasso, Trapasso excuse me, you can find him at CBSSports.com. Also subscribe to his pro, his prospect podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Trapasso, Trapasso, T-R-A-P-A-S-S-O. Chris, we'll have you on again later on as we approach uh, the NFL New Year. I appreciate you coming on on this Friday. All right, there you go. Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports. Good stuff. And I'll tell you what, uh, the redraft is really cool. I don't know how I missed it before, uh, but I'm glad I found it. It, it just adds a little perspective. Uh, and I think you look at that, too, as, as he said, as about, uh, to, to kind of inform what the needs might be going into this 2021 offseason and the draft. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get back to your calls. 702-365-9200 is the number. If you were going to redraft, 2020 for the Raiders. Who would you have taken? Do you agree with Chris? Cam Dantzler, right? Of course, there. I like that pick. All right. We'll come back right after this here on Raider Nation Radio. If you believe Tom Brady did fumble and that Franco Harris didn't catch that pass and call it the immaculate deception, then you found the right place. This is Silver and Black today on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Your 
running with Raider Nation. Running with the devil, of course. Chris is getting all Van Halen on me. Thank you, Chris Chapman, back in the studio. Again, thanks to Chris Trapasso from CBSSports.com. His redraft, really interesting perspective there. He had the Raiders last year. If he could redraft for them, he would take Cam Dantzler, Cameron Dantzler, and Jeremy Chin, both defensive backs. What do you guys think? 702-365-9200 is the number. Uh, when we come back from the break at the top of the hour, we're going to talk about, two another piece uh, uh, by our friend Nick Shook, who's been a, a guest here many times on the show. Uh, he graded the AFC West rookies. So, so the teams in the AFC West, the Chiefs, the Chargers, uh, the Raiders, and the Broncos – and I'll let you know what his grade was for the Raiders. I'd love to hear your take on it. Uh, I know there's going to be people out there who's an A or an F. <laughs> Raider Nation can be polarizing. Uh, but I'll give you those grades, and we'll talk about those too. But uh, I'd love to hear that too. And again, we're also soliciting your response to J.J. Watt. Would he be a good Raider? I say absolutely yes, and that they should make a play for him. And all my callers today have said that. They, they agree. They would like to see J.J. Watt become a Las Vegas Raider uh, coming up and that he's got a lot left in the tank and a lot to bring to that young defense. So we want to hear what you guys have to say about that too. 702-365-9200. Get on hold and we will get you on the air with your opinions as well. Just a programming note too. uh, Monday's a holiday. I'm actually going to be off Monday, so there'll be no show Monday again. We'll be back Tuesday through Friday next week. With a full slate of shows, we'll see what happens. Uh, you're going to start to see player moves, and you're going to start to see some cuts, uh, and that'll definitely give us a lot to talk about because the Raiders have needs. they got a lot of needs on defense. They have some needs on offense, as we talked about earlier today. And so we're going to, we're going to end up doing that and talking a lot about that as well as we move uh, through this offseason, which should be just crazy, just crazy with player movement around the NFL, let alone what the Raiders are going to do, but around the entire league, you're going to see a lot of big names hitting the market because of the salary cap issues. So it'll be interesting to see how that all goes down, but it'll, it'll be fun. And we will be here with you because we don't stop. There's no off season at Raider nation radio. We don't go away and take some time off and go sit my ties. Although I'd love to on a beach somewhere, no, no, no. We're here with you. We're talking Raiders football. We're talking the NFL offseason, which should be a big one of movement among the Raiders and, of course, all the NFL teams. And we'll see how, gro- how good the Raiders can be. Also, the next few weeks will definitely give you a sense for where the Raiders may go in the draft. If they go out and spend a ton of cash on defense, then don't expect a first-round pick that's going to be a defender, at least in my view. Uh, so we'll have to see. It's going to be fun to watch. All right, we're going to take that top of the hour break and pay some bills. On the other side, we'll come back. We'll talk about what grade you would give the Raiders draft from 2020. And then we'll tell you what NFL.com's Nick Shook said for the entire division. We'll run over that. Uh, and we'll take your call. 702-365-9200. You're with Scott Branson here on Silver and Black today on Raider Nation Radio. <laughs> 